Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Indeed, it is Oilers Radio, 1234 at Edmonton on 630. Chad announcing today a uh, multi-year extension. As uh, we tell you, that uh, guests on the show receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Open... All the way to game nights and Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until close. You can follow the sizzle on 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that orders now sent you. We head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. And for our friends at GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. We welcome back to the show Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque. Hello, Louis. How are you? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you doing? Good. You were at ice level. Jack and me were up on the eighth floor. What were you seeing at ice level on uh, Tuesday night? Well, what I've seen all series long, a real hard-fought battle, to be honest with you. And I thought uh, Edmonton came out and had the start that they've had in each of the home games they've played, getting out to a 2 nothing lead for the third straight time at home. And the only difference in this one was after a goal against by IFL to make it 2-1, they got that insurance goal. And then when L.A. scored again to make it 3-2, they got three more, and they just continued to maintain the lead. It was the first time all series they were able to get the lead, keep the lead, never give it up, and uh, finish it off in the end 6-3, which to me suggests that it's probably their most complete game in that regard. Um, lowest shooting game for them in the total, but they did have the lead for a considerable amount of time, so I think they were sitting back a little bit and just protecting that lead a bit. But, uh, yeah, all in all, a very good game for Evanson, and uh, they take the 3-2 lead into L.A. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, why do you think the Oilers, I mean, we know they got really good players, but 8-14, to 14, 8 for 14 on the power play, Louis, they're at 57% of the series. And Todd has not had, Todd McClellan, there's been some challenges on PK for several years, uh, for even dating back to his final two years in Edmonton. Um, but man, oh man, they've just, they're just dissecting uh, the Kings virtually every opportunity they get with the extra man. It's incredible, but you know what? You shouldn't be surprised because this is it's the same power play that was the best in history in the regular season. So I think everybody knew coming into the playoffs, and especially the Los Angeles Kings, they need to be disciplined. And for the most part, I think they've been pretty good in that regard. Uh, you know, they only gave up three power plays in, in game number five, and they had two power play goals again. So I honestly think they've won the gamesmanship battle. And what I mean by that is they've been able to draw more penalties from guys um, than Edmonton's been able to draw on them as far as sucking them into that kind of a battle, the the late slash, the late trip, the you know cross checks, whatever you want to call them, a couple high-sticking penalties. LA's been more disciplined, they have. Um, and, and I think that uh, they knew that going in, they had to be that way. It was just a matter of fact. They were they walking up against the best power play in history. Um, they're not stupid. They understand that if they put this team on the power play, they're going to get punished. I don't think they thought they were going to get punished as much as they have throughout this series. But Edmonton, give them credit when they've had to. That power play has been clicking, and it's been clicking all year long, and it's been a weapon, and they've used that weapon to to, to win games. Simple as that. And it was the difference, certainly, uh, to gain the momentum in that game early on with a power play goal by Evander Kane and the second unit that went out there and scored. So not even the first unit. The second unit is chipping in, which is outstanding. And... Uh, yeah, you know what? Special teams are so important, uh, and they've been a factor in this series, no question. Uh, absolutely. 
Who's uh, who's the break help, L.A. or Edmonton? I would suggest L.A. Um, only because Edmonton has momentum. It's the first time a team's won two games in a row in the series. Um, if you were to ask them, they'd probably want to jump on a flight and they wanted to get that game done. Let's go. Let's get into game six and see what happens because they have the momentum. They're feeling good about their game. Um, and I think as the wear and tear goes on here, there's a couple of guys that took some shots from L.A. You saw Dowdy take that one off the knee. He did finish the game, but it certainly did sting him. Those are ones after the game that seemed to get a little bit more bothersome. You have to take care of him. He'll have a couple extra days to do that. So, yeah, I would suggest that it's probably Los Angeles. Reset, regroup after a tough loss. And, you know, this is the first game in the series. I mean, three of the first four went to overtime, and the one that Evanson won 4-2 was an open net goal to make it 4-2 by Kane. So, I mean, that was a one-goal game right to the end. This was the first one that Evans had a buffer where they just finished it off. And, you know, maybe in the third period, got a little too sitting back at times, but they knew they had the buffer. They knew they had the lead. And you could just tell the demeanor of both teams was, let's get out of this game as soon as possible, get to the next one, because it's just one game. And I think both teams understand that. And, you know, get on to the next. So the break... It also helps Edmonton, don't get me wrong. It helps them rest some bumps and bruises, too, that we know certain players are dealing with, and that's just the playoffs for you. But um, who comes out aggressive in that first? We saw what the, the Kings did coming out and getting that 3 nothing lead. Since that point, they've been outscored 11-4. It seemed to really spark Edmonton, Bob. I think it was the adversity of them looking at going down 3-1 in that series and understanding that they were going to be put in a real difficult situation brought out the best in Edmonton. And sometimes that doesn't happen, but it certainly happened in that regard where they came back and stored back a tight and then win that in overtime after tying it again. And then they didn't look back at all in game number five where they just, you know, controlled that game right from the start. So they had the momentum. They're going to have a few days to rest. We'll see if they can take that rest the right way and bring it to game six. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to say the least. The Oilers' depth scoring came through, Louis, in a big way. I think that's the part that uh, you know, if you're an Oilers partisan, five different goal scores and uh, thirteen different players getting points and not having to be relying on on the, you know, the the two highest scoring players in the National Hockey League over the six years in terms of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Yeah, so important. And we saw that especially down the stretch. I thought in the last month and a half, or you can even say after the All Star break. It seemed like they were getting production up and down their lineup, and guys would have segments where they were just putting the puck in the net. And it just really does take a lot of pressure off the top two lines in that sense. Even though the top two lines are still producing, uh, I would say that when you have that production down your lineup, it just makes everybody feel good. Everybody on that bench is feeling good about their game. They're all rolling. They're moving. And it showed in that game. I thought Bukestad's been one of those guys that's really impressed me coming on board. I know we've talked a lot about Ekholm and his acquisition, but Bukestad's really filled that third hole. He's been able to jump around the lineup. He's kind of done whatever they've asked him to do. He's been excellent on the penalty kill with that reach that he has and and producing. You know, he produced in the regular season down the stretch with some big timely goals, and it's no different in the playoffs. He got credit for that second one that apparently didn't go off of Hyman in front. It went off the skate of Anderson instead of off of Hyman. But, you know, we thought it might have grazed him on the way by. That's why they were given to him. It's so hard to tell in tight like that. But uh, obviously he probably said something to the official, and it gets rewarded to Bukestad. So his second goal of the playoffs, which were huge. And, uh, you know, when you, when, like I said, when people are producing and you're starting to feel confident, it's really easy for the coaching staff just to start rolling lines, which he's been able to do in these playoffs. And, uh, 
and put different combinations that I think have really done well. I think the, you know, Ryan McLeod's speed is really apparent. It's been a real boost, and we talked about it down the stretch, getting him back and getting him up to speed to make sure that they had that available in their lineup and along with Fogel and Derek Ryan and Yamamoto, whoever they're mixing, matching on that line, Costin, when he's gotten in there, has done some good things too. So it just makes you feel good about your team when, when you feel not only one are you winning, but number two, you're winning as a whole. It just really makes everybody feel like they're on board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Louis, what's been the biggest surprise in the series for you so far? Or has there been a surprise? Yeah, you know, not really much of a surprise, to be honest. It's similar to the series last year, don't you think? I kind of look at this and go, I, I would, I would, I think maybe the biggest surprise at the start of the series was, you know, how little of a chance people were given the Kings. <laughs> And I think that uh, they played they played with that a bit, and I think they used that to their advantage a bit, because you have to when you're the underdog and your class is the underdog by everybody else but yourself. You can kind of use that to empower your game. Now, I'm not saying that's from Edmonton. Edmonton, I can guarantee you, when they went into this series, they understood what they were up against. This is a team that beat them the first two regular season games, the last two regular season games. They were without a lot of their players in the lineup in LA. And Edmonton beat them, but they were close games. They were hard-fought close games. And I don't think for one second that Edmonton came into this series and looked across there and said, this is going to be an easy first round. Not a chance. They knew exactly what they were up against. And it shows. It shows that no lead is been safe until game number five um and even that lead was tested a couple of times within one goal so um I, it just goes to show you that these two teams bring out the best and the worst of each other and which makes for great hockey it's been a great series and a really hard-fought series and, and and i guess i expected that um but uh what surprised me here i don't know you know i, I would say how hard the teams have to work for goals necessarily. Usually you see those, I mean, there's just not a lot of great chances um, off the rush. I think both teams have been very good at kind of controlling the rush and taking that away. So the series for me has been one in zone. And I just think being able to navigate through the neutral zone, get a puck in and find that puck again on the four check, get it back. Um, whatever team seems to do that is the team that creates the most chances and those are how the goals are going and we finally saw a tip goal by Bukestad go by a goaltender uh, I know the Ayafalo one in the, the first goal in game three was a tip that he finished off a rebound but we had yet to see a direct tip go into the net or a shot from the blue line find its way through all that traffic with the exception of Bouchard on the power play on the 5-3 and three, where he walked into the inside the top of the circles and barred down it there's no chance for Corpus Allo and now he didn't see it but for the amount of action that's been in front of both goaltenders, you just haven't seen those floaters go in the net. But CC wisely looks up and he sees maybe for the first time in the series, and I mean the entire series, Nick Bugstag, six foot six, standing alone in front of the Los Angeles Kings net. And that has been something that has been surprising is how difficult it's been for Edmonton to get to that front of the net. Now, I will say in games five and six, a whole different demeanor after the first period down 3 nothing. They started to fight for that spot a little more aggressively. They started to be committed to winning those battles on pucks and getting to that net. And it's paid off. It's paid off with goals, and uh, it's paid off with wins. All right. Uh, let's do some quick hitters, Louis. Uh, your son, the Boston Bruins, last night, they, uh, Jake DeBrusque in Boston, they had a chance to close out Florida. Florida hung around, couldn't put them away, and got a lucky break yeah. in overtime series at 3-2. I mean, I don't. I, I will tell you that, you know, I, I, I thought Boston would win the series. I thought it might go six games. 
But I I was surprised it was 3-1 Boston without Bergeron and Krejci for a lot of the series. Boston yeah. probably should have won last night. It has been, it's it's been a little bit of an odd series to watch, don't you think? It has. I, I mean, it was uh, a little stressful last night. First overtime game in that series, it was the last series to have an overtime game. So, you know, when you look at it in that regard, they've been able to kind of fend off and find a way to finish off games. But in this one, um, timely scoring. I mean, Taylor Hall with his fifth goal of the postseason ties it up in the third period. And then, you know, it's Matthew Kachuk again that finds a puck in front of the net, makes a nice move on a fluky turnover by Linus Olmark. And you look at the shot totals, 47 to 25 for, for Boston. So it kind of paints the picture. It was a little bit of a scrambly game, I thought. Um, Bergeron coming back in, scored a nice goal in the power play. You thought would have given them a boost. They certainly had enough shots on net. Give Bobrovsky some credit. He made some big saves. We're seeing, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky have a game like game like he did years past where he won a couple of Vesna trophies. This is a pretty darn good goaltender when he's on his game. He was certainly on his game last night. And they're going to have to contend with that because now he's going to get the start for sure. There's no question he's going between the pipes for Florida for game six. But they have two more opportunities to finish it off and why it's so difficult to come back from a 3-1 deficit. I'm sure they'll be ready for the next one. Louie, where were you in the spring of 2004? 2004. Um, here. Okay. That was the last time that the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs advanced out of the uh, opening round of the playoffs. They have a chance to do that. Oh, I have a pretty good story about that. So that was the Memorial Cup in the Saskatoon. So in 04? Wasn't it in Saskatoon in 04? Oh man, you know what? That was like that was the comeback. That was uh I no sorry. No, that was maybe the year before or after when Bergeron scored late. Um yeah, I might be getting my years mixed up, but sorry. Yeah. 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 Anyhow I, I, I was thinking the comeback by Boston, but it was actually uh we're talking about Toronto finishing off, sir. I thought that was where uh Sorry, I got mixed up. Yeah, 2004. Anyways, bottom line is the Leafs have not won a playoff series since 2004. Tampa Bay, they lost Ryan McDonough. Uh, They lose Chernak early in that season. Their D has... Hmm. Tampa Bay, Louis, only had the 18th best record in the league in the second half of the season. I took Toronto in five. Uh, I'm surprised how the games have gone. You know, Toronto can win in five. To be honest with you, Tampa probably deserved a better fate, and they haven't been able to win. You got... You know, the best goaltender arguably in the world, Andre Vasilevsky, with a four and a half goals against average through the first four games led series. Yeah. You know, I, he I thought... He hasn't been great in first rounds. No. Historically. You know, this is a guy that gets going as the playoffs go on. Um, got better get going ball. tonight. You better get going. Listen, I um, I like the fact that Toronto came back, though. That's 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 been something that's been missing in their organization is that intestinal fortitude to just kind of buckle down and find big moments in big times. And you know what? Good for them. They did it because they're up against a three-time finalist, two-time Stanley Cup champion team in Tampa that's not going to go away easily, and they're going to have to grind to this one as well. But uh, surprise, Bunting's not playing. I'm not going to deny that. You talked about Chernak being out. I know that it was the hit by Bunting that took him out, and you got suspended for it. But he also took out a pretty darn good defenseman in the process. So, And it's helped Toronto. That has helped the Leafs. But they like the the chemistry that's going on right now. And... uh, We'll see what happens tonight. All right. Uh, and for me, the Mia Culpa series is going to be Seattle, Colorado. Like, I thought there was no way oh, Seattle could make a ser- I got- series. I've been watching them, too, and it's unbelievable. And it they've is. gotten out to the lead every game, Seattle. Seattle's come out and pounced on the Avalanche. They played great. Game. 
They play great. Tell you, it shouldn't be a secret anymore. This is how they play. They've done it the whole regular season. They were counted out by everybody because they didn't feel. They just thought it was an anomaly. Okay, they're having a good stretch. No, they continued it all year long, faltered a bit at one stretch at the end of the season, and then they found that game once again. It's by committee, four lines, 60, everybody on board. And that's the only way Dave Haxtell from the start of the year to the end of the year has said they can get it done in that organization. They need to do it by committee. They've certainly done it, and everybody's on board. Awesome stuff, Lou. Uh, we'll uh, see you down in Los Angeles tomorrow night. Sounds good, bud. That is Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers, courtesy of our friends at GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at uh, – Great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. Come back in four minutes' time with the Oilers Now Injury Report for James H. Brown. Fifty-four in Edmonton. Let's go to the Oilers now. Injury report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang of James H. Brown, proud supporters of the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Elks and the Alberta Golden Bears. And they, like you, are stoked. The Oilers are up 3-2. But Edmonton still needs to get it done against Los Angeles sometime on Saturday. Matthias Janmark. Uh, I was at practice today from about, a l- well, from 10.40 till about 11.20. Uh, Janmark, after uh, the main group, uh, sort of winded things down. Uh, Matthias Janmark did go back on the ice. Of course, he uh, he blocked three shots on a PK, a late call. It was a penalty uh, with Evan Bouchard in game number one and uh, has been knocked out of lineup. The guy plays 14 and a half minutes a game. He's really important. Uh, for the Kings, Kaliev's been out with an illness and... Uh, Let's see, uh, Blake Lazat, who's been was really greasy in the first couple games, and frankly, got away with a couple. Uh, well, he got away with a slew foot and a headshot. Didn't get called either time, and that's the thing. Like, the refs don't want one team to win and another team to win. It's just when it comes to calls, sometimes your team gets them, other times your team doesn't. And. My theory is, as a team gets more experience, they tend to get more calls. I don't think it's lost in anybody that's listening right now, because a lot of you are really smart. The team that's had the fewer penalties has won four of the five games so far. Okay? Oilers have had fewer penalties than L.A. the last two games, and they've won the two games. Scored five and six goals, and have gotten some depth scoring in the process with Evander Kane and... Zach Hyman getting going. You can text us on the Ashley Five Floors text line, 780-496. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Carson, good text. I'm not going to read it. Good text. Lots of people now uh, picking up on some of these texts. Bob, I'm hoping for a Boston Edmonton Stanley Cup final. I want to see Taylor Hall versus Connor McDavid showdown. That one comes to us from Dan. Well, I mean, Taylor Hall's about fifth or sixth in that batting order right now, with all due respect to Taylor. Right? Like Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak. They sort of use Taylor Hall the way L.A. uses Kevin Fiala. And Hall was real good last night. Boston probably deserved a better fair. I mean, Jake DeBrusque is right there in terms of productivity. In fact, he outscored him this year. Outscored Taylor Hall this year. Taylor had a good night last night. Brendan, what series has got you most interested, most compelled to watch? I got to be honest. I, I'm 
intrigued to see if the Leafs can seal the deal because we've seen them in this spot before with Montreal, right? So uh, you've got them by the throat. Now can you get the job done and finally slay the demon? Yeah, uh, 930 save percentage for Carey Price in the final three games of that series. I mean, we were all kind of chuckling watching it. Because Montreal, that Montreal team that year, they were not as good. It's funny, they were really good early, and then they had some injuries, and then they weren't very good down the stretch, and then they caught lightning in the bottle. And, uh, you know, Toronto, the Oilers lose three overtime games to Winnipeg that year. That was your Edmonton beat Winnipeg six times in the regular season in a row. And then lost three. First game was a one-goal game. Winnipeg got a couple uh, late empty netters, and then games two, three, and four were OT. And we all thought Winnipeg was going to beat Montreal, and Shifley took himself out of the series and game one. And then we started hearing stories about maybe Mark Shifley not being the same player he'd been a couple of years before where he was tremendous. He, boy, there's two teams, Calgary, and we're going to talk about this a bit coming up. Frank Cervalli is going to do a bonus hit with us this week. There's two teams coming up, Calgary and Winnipeg, that are going to be huge teams to watch in the offseason. I do not see Winnipeg extending the series tonight, by the way. I see Vegas getting it done. Off to a global news weather traffic update, uh, and that is with Randy Kilburn. And when we come back for the horses and horse racing in Alberta, Frank Saravalli. This is Oilers Now.